Last week we, we did Sif Aleph in the Mechaber, and now we'll do Sif Aleph in the Ramah. The, the, what the Ramah adds in Sif Aleph, what we'll learn about tonight, is unrelated really to what the Mechaber was talking about. Um, a slight connection, that's why he puts it in here, but it's really its own, its own discussion. Basically, it's like this. What, we, what we've been learning, basically, a, a, a major theme that's been running throughout all these halachas of the Zara that we've been going until now, is basically one big yisait, which is that the object of an Avadizara, an idol itself, is Asarbana. Right? So now what the Ramah is going to talk about is uh, practical halacha when it comes to, uh, in Christianity, a cross that a Jew might come across is what types of crosses are considered to be Avadizara and what not. Okay? And the other place can, in the Chuvas, this is like a major, major discussion in terms of like, Yidin doing business, you know, buying and selling, because if I have an object of a Vodizara, I can't have any benefit from it. Not only can I, you know, notice I can't have any benefit from the physical object, I can't sell it and make profit off it either. So a Jewish person being involved in buying and selling Avodizaras is a big problem. So the question that they're most dealing with is what about crosses? Is that considered Avodizara or not? When is it? When is it not? So let's see what the Ramah says. We'll see based on where this leads us. I think very important in Yana. All right, so take a look. The Ramos is like this. If you have it in front of you, it's also on the top of the Marmukhamis in, in case you don't have a Shulchanar. So the Ramos is like this. Shesiva Arif. Right? Shesiva Arif means a cross. Shesiva Arif, Shemeshtachavim light. If you have a cross that the Christians bow down to, okay, Dina Kedin Salam Ba'asr, that would be considered to be uh, an Avadizara, and it's Asr Bahana, Beloy Bittal, unless obviously it's nullified and, and broken. You know, if a guy breaks it, then that's not an Avodah anymore. But uh, a cross that's bowed down to is going to be Avodah Zarah. <clears throat> However, says the Ramah, a cross that the person, that the, the Christian hangs on their neck, like a, with a necklace, just as a, mem- as a remembrance, as like a, a symbol of their religion, that, you know, that, uh, to remind them of where, of where they're coming from, of their religion, that's not considered an object of a desire, and it'll be mutter to have benefit from it, to buy and sell it, and so on. So that's what the Ramah is saying. Now, so again, the Ramah is saying a very simple, straightforward halacha, which is, again, if you're dealing with a cross that's in a Catholic church, and people are bowing down to it, or they're sacrificing, they're pouring wine for it, and stuff like that. Or, by the way, another thing that the place can talk about is crosses in a cemetery. That is considered to be really the, an object of Avodah itself, and the reason that's the reason why they put it in the cemetery, is that it should like protect the souls of the people that are buried there. So that's that's real Avodah But we're talking about just like a necklace, you know, that Christians wear. So that's not says Rama, that's not Avodah That they're wearing it just as a as a symbol of their religion. It's not it's not Avodah That's the Rama. Now the the source for where the Rama is getting this from is a Mordechai in Meseches Avodah the Mordechai basically is almost word for word from what the Ramah says. Okay, that's the Ramah. Now, the, the, the interesting thing when we begin to, to de- delve into this is the Shach. Okay, so on the, uh, it's Shach, Sifkat, and Vav, or the Marmukhamis by Marmukha number one. Well, we're not going to see the whole thing because the Shach takes us to all sorts of places, but just simply the first line to explain. What the Shach basically says is that he very much qualifies this halach of the Ramah. And he says as follows. He says that, I'll tell you outside and then we'll see it inside together. The Shach says that even though it's true 
that when a, when the Christian goes to the store, you know, and buys, you know, a cross on a necklace or wherever they, they get it from, certainly when it's made, it's made for the purposes of it being a symbol of their religion. It's not something that's, it's not the same cross that's hanging in the church and it's not in a cemetery, so it certainly is a symbol of their religion. But says the Shach, the Shach does point out though, if, however, that person wearing it does certain actions towards the cross, which are worship-like activities, like kissing it or bowing down to it, then even though, says the Shach, the, the, when, when the, if you ask the guy wearing the necklace, what is that necklace for? He'll say, it's just a reminder, it's a symbol of, of my religion. But if at the end of the day he's doing actions, or she's doing actions to that particular cross, which are avoida actions, then that itself, will, that, that, then that cross will also become avodazar. And therefore, says the Shach, when the Ramos says this halacha, that if it's just an hanging on necklace, it's not avodazara, that's only, that's assuming that you know for sure that nothing, that, that this person never kissed it, never uh, said a prayer towards it, never bowed down to it, simply bought it from the manufacturer and just put it on their, on their neck and didn't do anything yet. At that point, you're right, it's not avodazara. But as soon as they start doing stuff to it, then that's already called avodazara. The Rashach writes as follows. Again, Shasivar, he quotes the Ramah, Shasivar, Shaton Vitzavar, a cross that's hanging on the neck as a necklace. And again, it's made only as a uh, symbol of the religion. And that's not called Avadizara. That's not called the object of Avadizara, says the Ramah. Now, that's what the Ramah said. Says the Shach, That's only when you also know that the wearer of that cross never bowed down to it, never did anything to show some level of service. Vasalashmina and all the Ramah is trying to say is All the Ramah is trying to say is that simply owning such an object and hanging it on your necklace, that doesn't make it a piece of Avadizara. But the Ramah doesn't mean that it's never going to be Avadizara. Certainly, says the Shach, if the person, again, the wearer of the of that cross, then does something to show uh, some sort of uh, action of Avaida, you know, using that cross. That will make the cross an avodizar. Halavachi, but certainly if the person does something, then it will become avodizar. That's the shita of the shach. <clears throat> now, ba- based on this, based on this, if you take a look at Mar- the marukimus and marmokim, huh? Is it referring to a mannequin? So, it, well, if it, what do you mean on a mannequin? What do you mean? Where then it doesn't symbolize anything. So, if it doesn't symbolize anything, then if somebody's wearing it. We're, we're, we're assuming, that's the, that's the assumption over here, that the person that's wearing the cross is certainly buying it and wearing it as a symbol of their religion, but despite that, they're, they, they still are doing something with it. They're kissing it, they're doing stuff with it throughout the day, and says the shach, that will also make it of a desire, that will make it a, 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 an object of a desire too. So even though we ha- we're having this distinction, yes, there is such a thing as a cross which is like mamish, an idol that's in the church or in the in the in the cemetery, and this is just simply on a necklace as a symbol of their religion. But says the shach a huge chumra that even if it's just a symbol of their religion, if the person does something that's avoided, bowing, kissing, and so on, that'll also make it an object of a desire that'll be aser bana. If you take a look at Marmokin number two, so this is from the Sefer Yichavedas from Ravad Yosef. So in Chelag Gimel Simen Samachay, so he quotes. Yeah, I've never honestly. I don't. I don't know who this tshuva is that he's quoting from, but uh, it's, you know, Ravadi knew everything. So he quotes like this: "Bishalsin tshuvas ma'arei ar, sefer ma'arei ar." So he writes the following thing: 
Sheyehudim, based on the shach that we just read, Sheyehudim sheroitzim liknais tsuras shesi v'arev, shenitlitz b'tzavar, if let's say you have a Jew that wants to buy from a Christian a, that person's personal necklace that has a cross on it, the Jew wants to buy it for, you know, I guess he wants to, you know, sell it for a higher price, whatever the case may be, yesh lazir m'lomelagai, then based on the shach, that Jew, you have to tell that Jew that in order for him to be allowed to buy it and to use it for, for profit, he's going to have to tell the non-Jew that he's buying it from, that he has to break it first in order to make it not an idol, in order to do bittel that it shouldn't be a bittel. However you do, and why, I mean, says the Mariah, why am I telling you to be so machmer? Why? Because it's known. Because we know what the, the Catholics, when they have the, the, the cross on their necklace, they kiss it, they'll pray with it in their hands when they're, during eating, before they go to bed. And so for it's, it's, it's obvious, it's, uh, that, that's for sure, that at some point in the course of this person owning that necklace, they would have done something that's uh, idolatrous towards, towards that cross, and that will make it of a desire. Says the Ma'ari R, so why did the Ramah make it so like simple as if, uh, you know, if it's on a necklace, it's not a problem? As if to say that there's really any legitimate possibility of them never doing anything with it. Maybe by their mother they weren't as from and they, there was such a thing as a person buying a necklace and never really kissing it or doing anything to it. But says the Ma'ari R, practically speaking, based on the Shach, which is, again, that if you have that cross, and even if it's bought and it's seen as a symbol of the religion, but if the person, the follower of the religion, does something, kisses it, bows down to it, prays with it in his hand, then that will make it an avodah zarah. So therefore, says the Ravadi is quoting this, practically speaking, most times you have to be concerned that, that, that such a thing took place. That's the shah. Okay, now, the truth is, though, this idea of the shach is really not so posh. There are, there, there are a number of Acharnim that disagree with it. It is a big machlekes, okay? So let me show you where the machlekes is, and we'll see where it comes from and how this is relevant for Mamash Avadis Hashem. Mamash Avadis Hashem. Not Avadis Zara, but Avadis Hashem. So you'll see. Take a look at Marmok number three. It's a very interesting question. Very interesting tshuva from the Chumas Adeshim. The Chumas Adeshim was one of the early Ashkenazi Acharnim. So uh, he writes the following thing. This is in Simon Kuf Tzadivav. The child that was asked by the Chumas Adeshim is the following case. Koimer Takif Oisar. Let's say you have, again, in those days, these things came up a lot. Let's say you had a, a priest that was very powerful in terms of uh, the area over there, or a minister in the government that was also very powerful. And this is, uh, let's say, the priest is walking down the street, or the the uh, the uh, the uh, parts, you know, is walking down the street, and he has a uh, a crucifix, he has a cross hanging on his necklace or sewn onto his clothing or something like that. Or on his hat. and and you're and you see him walking down the street, right? So is the Jew allowed to to bow to this? To this priest or to this part, or to remove his hat as a sign of respect. In other words, what the question that's being asked in the Trum session is: If you have a uh, stam, uh, you know, uh, the, the mayor, the parts is walking down the block, and he's wearing regular clothing, nothing. There's no uh, little getchka on him, you know. There's no isish on him or something like that. And the, evidently, the minig was the custom was he's the parts, so everyone has to show respect when he's walking down the block. So what would the Jews do? 
remove their hat as a sign of respect or give a little bow, and that's fine. That's totally fine. The question that's being asked, the true suggestion is, what if the parts is also wearing a cross? Now, he's wearing the cross again. He's wearing a cross not the, from uh, the cemetery. He's wearing a cross as a symbol of, 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 of his uh, zara. You know, that's just like the case of the Ramah. He's wearing a cross on a necklace or it's sewn onto his clothing. But is that an issue of the Jew showing respect to the parts if the parts is also wearing a cross? That was the question that was asked of the Jewish suggestion. <clears throat> now, l- let's break it down for a second. Now, we know, obviously, when the, if the Jew were to be, do a little bow or to take off his hat, Certainly, the Jew is not thinking. He's not trying to show respect to the cross. He's he's trying to show respect because he has no choice to the parts, right? So in his mind, he's certainly not bowing down to the cross. He's bowing down to the person. So what's the question dealing with? The question is based on this is the background of the question. The question is based on a Gemara of Zara, which is Paskin and Shulchan which is the following halacha. Let's say you have a real avodazar, no, no necklace crosses, like a mamish, a, a real old-fashioned totem pole, like a real avodazar that's just in the street over there. And I'm walking by, and I drop my wallet. So now I want to go bend down and pick up my wallet. Okay. Now, obviously, if I bend down and pick up my wallet, I'm not thinking I'm bowing down to the totem pole. I'm just bending down to pick up my wallet. But to the passerby, it might look like I'm bowing down to the Avadizar. So the halach is, it's halach in Shulchan Aruch, that you're not allowed to pick up your wallet in such a case. You have to, you know, figure out another way to do it, but you can't bow down to pick up your wallet. Or uh, another example that it's given is interesting. Let's say you have an Avadizara that was also a, a water fountain. They would have such a thing that the water was spraying out of the Avadizara's mouth. So and you, you're thirsty, so you want to go take a drink and you're a little bit, uh, you know, aggressive about how you drink from a water fountain, and you want to put your lips on the, on the opening of the mouth. So you're not trying to kiss the Avodah Zarah, that's not your intention, you're just trying to drink water. But again, to the outside, it might look like you're trying to kiss it. Allah is you're not allowed to do that. So that's the concept. So that's the question that's being posed to the Chumash Sedeshan, is what about in this case? I'm walking by the uh, Galach, I'm walking by the parts, he's wearing a cross, I'm bowing to him, I'm removing my hat, I'm thinking... I'm just showing respect to the person. It happens to be he's also wearing a cross. So is that an issue of Mara sign? Is that an issue? That's the question. So take a look at what the Truman Session says. So he says like this, So the Truman Session says, first, I, he brings down uh, different Paiskim that have dealt with this. So he says, I found a, a case that was Mamash to this. Again, I don't know who this Paisik is. But the Truman Session is quoting from this Rabbeinu Yitzchak mi Oppenheim. The following case, Mamish a similar scenario. This was the tshuva. Again, the tshuva session is now quoting this tshuva from this Rabbi Yitzchak uh, Oppenheim. The question is as follows. Uh, let's say you have a priest. That they have a cross uh, on them. On their clothing. Am I allowed to stand up in respect for this priest? Or to remove my hat in respect for him. Again, similar, Mamish the same case. Is that an issue? Nearly. So it says this Rabbi Yitzchak, the answer is nearly, it seems to me, Shemotr. It's Mutter, Lishtach Vaislam, your Mutter to bow down, to bow to such a person, to stand up for them, to, to remove your hat. Why? Because, who, again, who are you thinking about? You're trying to show respect to the Galach. The Galach is not, doesn't think of himself as an Avadizara. He's certainly not, he's just a regular guy, or if it's a parts. They're not served, they're not worshipped, they're not 
even when you're bowing, you're not bowing out of worship, you're bowing out of respect. Because they're respectful, they're, they're high positions, that's where you're showing respect. It has nothing to do with the cross that they're wearing. You're trying to show respect to the person. And said, and I'll prove it to you. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Kalmar. The Gemara says like this. Says the Gemara, you're not allowed to bow to Avadizar. That's for sure. But says the Gemara, but out of respect, like in the East, right? When, when they, they don't shake hands, they bow. So says the Gemara, that's fine. It's not Avadizar. To bow to a person as, as a sign of respect is fine. Says the Gemara, what if that person is himself served as a deity, like Haman or something? That's already Tamalai Sadim. That's already a person you're not allowed to bow to because that's bowing to another desire. But if you're just bowing to a person, just as a sign of respect, it's not an issue. Alma So you see from this, it's a clear halacha that there's no issue bowing and showing respect to a person as long as that person is not served himself as an idol. Alma Therefore, you see from here, you're allowed to bow to someone that himself is not served. Listen, if you could avoid, avoid it, avoid it, maybe close your eyes when you're, you know, tipping your cap to the guy, or stand up before he comes, you could avoid the issue easily, but if not, it's no issue at all. That's, this is what Rabbi Yitzchak Oppenheim brings down. Now, the Truman Sedeshen quotes this, and now he raises the obvious point, which is, this Rabbi Yitzchak Oppenheim is missing what the question is about. The question was never whether I'm allowed to bow to a person as a sign of respect. Of course you're allowed to do that. It's not the issue. The question is, he's like ignoring the, po- the, the, the focal point of the question. The question is that this guy that I'm bowing to out of respect is also wearing a cross. So, and the question is, is that Maris Ayin? The, que- the question was not, am I stam always, am, the parts is walking by me, am I allowed to, am I allowed to bow in respect to, to that person? If that was the question, then Rabbi Yisrael is, is telling us a clear answer. Yes, that's fine, because the Gemara Sanhedrin says that you're allowed to bow as a sign of respect to a person, as long as the person is not a, an idol himself. But that, that's, uh, we know that. The question that was asked over here is not just Stam bowing to a person. It's bowing to a person who happens to be wearing a cross. And the question really is, is, is now a, a question of, I'm bowing to the person but I'm also automatically bowing to a cross. And is that an issue of Maris Ayin? And it's, it's not, he's not dealing with the question. Take a look at what the Truman Sedeshin says. The question that Rabbi Yitzchak is dealing with is literally our question of bowing as a sign of respect to a person who happens to also be wearing a cross. But, but, but the, the, the proof that Rabbi Yitzchak brings as a proof that it's okay to do this, just from that simple Gemara and Sanhedrin, there's an obvious distinction. The Gemara Sanhedrin is not talking about bowing to a person that's also carrying an Avodah The Gemara Sanhedrin is talking about a very simple scenario. A regular person is walking down the street wearing regular clothing, and I want to just bow as a sign of respect. Says the Gemara, that's totally fine. But now we're talking about a different question altogether. Now you're talking about someone that's walking down the street and he's carrying a cross on him. And now I'm bowing as a sign of respect. So I'm certainly bowing to the person as a sign of respect. But Marasayim, but to the passerby, it might look like I'm bowing to the cross. So, and that's a question of Marasayim. And that's based on the Gemara that I mentioned before, that you're not allowed to put your mouth on the lips of that uh, water fountain, or you're not allowed to pick up your wallet in front of the totem pole. Those are the Gemaras that you should be talking about in this question. 
you know, not 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 a random Gemara Sanhedrin that's not dealing with the issue. So, so is a very it's very difficult. Zvikel and Meimer says said the Trumasadeshin. Certainly, you could have said the Vadi Shalishtachos Adam Sheinin Of course, the Gemara Sanhedrin is correct that you're allowed to bow as a sign of respect to someone that's not served himself. <laughs> Assuming that he's not carrying the Vadizara, he's not wearing a cross. Because the, the issue that we're dealing with, that, I mean, in other words, there's two parts to the question. Yes, a guy walking down the block, a, a, a galach walking down the block wearing a cross, and now I want to bow as a sign of respect. Yes, there's two, you have to break it down. There's two steps to deal with that question. Am I allowed to do that? Well, point number one is, Be'etzim, am I allowed to bow as a sign of respect to a human being? That the answer is yes. That's the Gemara Sanhedrin. That's fine. But we know that. That's obvious. That's obvious. The next part of the question is, okay, am I allowed to do an action which technically is fine, but it might look like I'm doing Avodah because the guy's wearing a cross? That Rabbi Yitzhak Mabinayim is not dealing with. And that's the heart of the crux of the issue here because the guy's wearing a cross. So that, that, this is an issue. Take, he goes on. Obar Zerua, the next paragraph. Says the Jerusalem, and I found Taka an earlier source in the Arzarua, the Hilchas Kriyashima, Kasav, the Arzarua Taka writes, in this in a similar scenario, an interesting case, the Asulishtachavis Bemaidim, Betvila, so that's the guy, let's say you're, you're, you're saying Aleinu, and you're up to Maidim and you're bowing, right? Kishanach, you're Bakhenegdai, Imshasivarev. And Punkt, when you're bowing for Maidim, a non Jew is passing by and he's wearing a cross. So are you allowed to bow if what's in front of you is a non Jew wearing a cross? Obviously, the last thing you're thinking about is bowing to the cross. But again, it might look to a passerby as if you're bowing to the cross. And says the Arzarua, you're not allowed to do that. And, then, and now the Arzarua quotes the relevant Gemara. The Gemara says, that if you drop your wallet, you drop money in front of the Vadizara, don't bow and take the money back. I, the last thing on your mind is bowing to an Avadizar. Are you just trying to pick up your wallet? Yeah, but to the passerby, there's Marasayin. And so, therefore, says Arzurah, and it's the same case over here. And so, basically, what the Truman Sedation is saying is that that's, 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 a, that's a fair analysis. In other words, the, case, the, the issue is not just bowing as a respect to a person, the issue is bowing to a person. That in your mind that has nothing to do with Avadizar, but to the passerby it might look like it because you're bowing down to a guy that has a cross on him. So maybe someone watching you thinks that you're bowing to the cross. And and Cesar's Royatake, that's a problem. And that's similar to putting your mouth on the, the on the mouth of the fountain or picking up your wallet in front of a totem pole. Oh, ah, very good, very good. So this is the point. This is the point. What's a parts? A parts is a, like a mayor. He was a uh, what are they like a, a feudal lord? Yeah. In Europe, so you used to have a person. Maybe, could that be a thing also though? Because it wouldn't be Marasai, because when he walks ah. down the street, everybody notices him. Very good, very good. Also, picking up a random wallet or saying Modin Very, very good. Disneyland. Very, very good. Exactly. So, so you're right. If you, the next paragraph, the Truman Session makes your point, Mamish, which is that. Once you're, in other words, the transaction's point is as follows. Break it down like this. The relevant Gemara to be thinking about is the case of dropping your wallet and picking that up. Because that's the issue of Marasayan. And the Arzura says, yeah, just like that's Marasayan, so bowing down to a part that's wearing a cross is also going to be Marasayan. Says the transaction, exactly your point, which is, 
now that we're dealing with the relevant Gemaras, I could come up with a, with a way to, to separate the two, which is that by the case of the parts, that everyone shows respect to him, so no one's going to be thinking that I'm thinking that, I'm, that I intend to do the cross case, that, that I'm intending to bow down to the cross. Mashenki and dropping a wallet, it's not a common thing to do. So then the passerby might think that that's cool, that I'm bowing down to the, to the totem pole. So, but, at least, but at least now you're dealing with the issue. Take a look. Uh, very good. It's what he says. V'shem so maybe you can, now the translation says, okay, now that I see from the Arzerua, the relevant Gemara, so now we could come up with maybe a chilek. That when you drop your wallet, and you're bowing down to pick up your money, since this is not a common thing for a person to be bowing down in such a position, so the passerby, he's not going to think that you dropped your wallet. He's not going to think that you're thirsty. That's why you're putting your lips on the fountain. It's an, it's an, it's an abnormal thing to do. So he's not going to be thinking uh, some strange explanation for it. He's going to think the most obvious explanation, which is that you're bowing down to the Avadizar. So the person passing by will think the most obvious, which is that you're that you're uh, bowing down to the Vaidizar. The that's the more that's the more obvious answer, the most obvious explanation of what you're doing is that you're bowing down. But in this case of the parrots, for example, that's the the more obvious answer is that you're just trying to give respect to the person. So by the case of the totem pole, the more obvious thing is maybe that it looks like a Vadizara. And over here, the more obvious case is not. But again, boiling it down, the, the true session's point is that at least the Arzarua is bringing, bringing the relevant Gemaras. It, it, the, the, the question is, again, going back to Rizal Muppenheim, you're just ignoring the, 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 the relevant cases. Again, you could still, even if you brought that Gemara, you could still come up with a Chilak and show how it's okay, but at least raise the issue. You're ignoring the issue, which is that the guy's wearing a cross. So I think, I think, and this is what you're suggesting, is that really what you see over here, that, again, this, this is the case. The guy's walking down the block, you see a parts, he's wearing a cross on his necklace, you're bowing down to him as a sign of respect for the person. Is this at all anything that's relevant to that case of the totem pole? Do you even have to raise that issue? I would say that it depends on whether you agree with that shach or not. You see, if you hold like the shach, which is that the necklace, the guy, the guy is wearing a cross on the necklace. Why is he wearing it? Why did he buy it? As a symbol of his religion. If it's not a vaydazara, if you go with, let's say, the Ramah simple, right? A cross on a necklace is not a vaydazara. Then this has nothing to do with those cases of the totem pole, right? Maris ayin is what is if I see a person bowing down in a in a in a position of, of bowing to an avodizara. So even though he's not thinking it, it's it's, it's maris ayin. But in this case, he's not bowing to an avodizara. I, the guy's wearing a cross. The cross on a necklace is not avodizara. So therefore, according to Yisroel Ma'apenaim, of course he's not bringing up that gemara. It's irrelevant. The only issue that you have to deal with is, are you allowed to bow to a person as a sign of respect? And the answer is yes. I, the guy's wearing a cross, he's not wearing a, the cross is, that's not about the Zara. The cross is just a symbol of religion. But the Shach said not like that, right? The Shach said that, no, 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 he might have bought it for that reason, and he might think that that's what the cross is really about. But we know, we know that at some point in this guy's life, when he's wearing that cross, at some point, he said, uh, when he went to bed at night, he, you know, he said Krishna with it. 
right? And we know at some point when he ate food, he was holding it in his hands. And at some point he kissed it. And at some point he did something to make it Avadizar. So now when you're bowing to him, you're not just bowing to a person, you're also, there is an Avadizar on that guy's necklace. And that's now similar to the case of, 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 uh, of now, that's, now you have to discuss the issue of Marasain, because now you have the same basic dynamics. You are doing an act of, of, of bowing towards something that there's an Avadizar there. That's an issue of that Gemara, like uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the wallet in front of the totem pole. And you have to deal with it. So this is, this is, this is, the, this is the, 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 the case over here. In other words, so what, what we see over here is that, that Rabbi Yislav Oppenheim and Arzerua are actually having this machlekes over the Chiddush of the Shach. Again, it starts off with this Yisrael of the Shach, that the Shach said, again, was, the, the Ramah said again, just a review, the Ramah said that if you, the guy that buys a cross and it's hang on necklace, the definition of that is simply a symbol of their religion. It's not a Vodizah. Says the Shach, true, until he does something to it, until he kisses it, until he prays with it. And we saw that the, from the Ravad Yosef, he said, and because of that, it, 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 it's overwhelmingly statistically likely that, he, that, that unless you know for sure otherwise, for sure at some point the guy kissed him, for sure at some point he did something to make him into a Vodizah. Okay. So, that, so that's what the Shach said. So now we have this is now we have this issue. Guy is walking down the street. This guy has been owning this uh, cross on his necklace uh, for 50 years, right? Over the course of 50 years, is without a question, he certainly kissed it at some point. According to the Shach, boom, it's So now the question is, now I've got a bow to the person as a sign of respect. Is this at all related to, to a case of Marasai? Well, according to the Shach, 100%. 100%. Why? Because you're bowing to the person, but that person is holding on his neck. He's, he's carrying on himself a getch, because mamash of a desire. So just like you have a case of bowing to a totem pole, even though you're not thinking it, and that's an issue of Marasayim, so I'm bowing to the parts. I'm not thinking it, but at Lamaisa, I am also bowing to the cross. Maybe there's a chilek, maybe there's no chilek, but at least you're dealing with the relevant demars. Rabbi Yislav Mavonheim is not dealing with it. Why? Because Rabbi Yislav Mavonheim disagrees with the shach. And the Rabbi Yislav holds like the most simple, the reading of this Ramah simple, which is, that if you buy a necklace, and this necklace is a symbol of your religion, but it's not the deity itself, then even if you kiss it and you bow to it and all that stuff, all those actions that you do are just actions that you're doing to show respect to your religion as a symbol of your religion. That does not make the object of a desire mamish. So what, what, boil is, what, what it boils down to over here is basically the following machlekes, which is an interesting debate. If you have an object, that the object itself is not the deity. The person does not, the, 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 the Christian does not attribute any spiritual power to this object. But he's kissing it, he's bowing to it, he's showing respect to it. Why? Not because it has any religious power or any spiritual energy to it, it but by me bowing and kissing, it's showing respect to my religion. It's a symbol of my religion. Does that make the object of a desire or not? In order for the thing to be avadizar, does it have to be something that the worshiper attributes spiritual power to? That this is the deity or some manifestation of the deity? Or no, even if it's something that's simply a symbol of the deity, that's also called avadizar if I bow and kiss and, and, and show respect to it. That's going to be the machlokes. The shach, the shach saying that what? That even though it's only a symbol of my religion, by kissing and bowing and showing respect to it, that also makes it of a desire. The Rabbi Yisrael Oppenheim, who 
doesn't even see the case of the totem pole as even worthwhile bringing up by the issue of bowing to the parrots that's wearing the cross, holds that what? Even if he kissed it all his life and he bowed down to it every night, it makes no difference. It's only a symbol of their religion. That doesn't make it over the czar. Over the czar is only if they attribute some spiritual energy or power to this object itself. And since it's only, since on a necklace it's only a, a symbol, that's not over the czar at all. That's the machlech. Now we're, so let's, let's, now if we, the truth is, and in, in, I mentioned this once before, but we'll see more in depth right now, in the origins of idolatry, we do see these two elements of, of a desire of there being a side of idolatry, which is that the worshippers actually attribute power to the object, and there's a side of idolatry which is they're not attributing power, but it's just a symbol of their religion. If you take a look at Marmukim number four, the Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchas of Adizar, talks about the history of Adizar. And he basically says, again, the, that in the beginning, obviously, everyone knew about God and everyone was serving the Rabbani Shalom. But at some point, people started to think, well, if God created angels and God created uh, the celestial being, bodies up there, so if we, if we serve them, then that shows respect to God, right? So if I show respect to a minister, then that uh, shows respect to the king. And then slowly but surely it deteriorated to the, fact, to the point of where they forgot about the Rabbani Shalom and all there was was the angels and uh, celestial bodies. More than that, says the Rambam, and going further, the the the, 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 of the Zara felt that even the sun, the moon, the angels in heaven are too... Uh, disconnected or too uh, intangible and so they started making physical objects and altars and temples to uh, represent these things and so the Rambam breaks it down as follows the Nimsu and then the Rambam says and now there is a big divide between the actual priests of these idolatrous uh, place, uh, religions and the Hamoinam the, the public it says the Rambam like this the Nimsu kol am the, the average uh, simple folk, uh, the Pasha, the, the guy that's, uh, you know, that's serving of Adizara, Enam Yoidem, El Hatsura Shal Eitz Ve'Evan, Vahecha Shal Binyan, Shinitzchan Chumikat Nusam, Lishtach Ve'Islam, Ula Avdam, Ula Shavavishman, says the Rambam. The average guy off the street that's serving of Adizara, if you ask them, what, like, what is it that you're bowing down to, they'd say that this physical thing in front of me is the deity. This is the deity. And that's, that's what they believe. But says the Rambam, that's what the Hamaynam believe. But if you really ask the Chacham, the wise people of their religion, like the priests, or like people uh, more educated, Medamin, of course they'll tell you, they'll tell you, of course this object over here is not doesn't have any, uh, this is not the deity. This is a symbol of the deity in heaven. And by me bowing and prostrating myself and serving this symbol, this, this thing, that's a way of me serving uh, the thing above. So already we see from the Ramah is an interesting breakdown, is that, yeah, there are these two paths in the Zohar, there are these two schools. There's a, there's a Mahalach of thinking that this object in front of me is the deity, it has some religious power and significance, and that's a Vodizara, if I bow down and do anything to that, God forbid. Or there's another approach, which are more the, the approach of the more academics of, uh, within a Vodizara, that of course this object is not anything. This is a symbol of the, of 
of that deity. And by and the way I, uh, by me showing respect and and all and service to this object, that's in a way of me serving the deity. But th- this object itself is certainly nothing but just a piece of a uh, piece of wood or a piece of metal. So in other words, what's interesting is again going back to this Truma Sedeshan versus uh, Rabbi Yisroch Mavenheim versus the, the Arzirua and the Shach and so on. You see these two ideas again. This Shaila of whether to whether it, do you have to attribute real religious power to the object in order for it to be avodazar, or it's enough for it just to be a symbol. So and the Raman would say, it's sort of a, you, you see both, both approaches and they're both kind of legitimate. Uh, the Hamoin Am, avodazar to the Hamoin Am means this object has significant power. To the Kaimrim, to the priests and so on, uh, to the old Chachamim, what used to be, maybe at this point, no, they don't exist anymore, but back in the day, uh, they never saw the object as having significance by itself. It was always a symbol. And that itself was enough to be considered of a desire. So you see these two, these two approaches. Okay, so we're so what? What's the point of all of this? Okay, so I guess there's Allah Lamaisa of doing business with uh, with crucifixes on a on a necklace. But let's let's get a little bit deeper where this is really coming from. <clears throat> this idea, this idea of avaydazara, of avaydazara. Let's say according to the shach. According to the Shach, right? The Shach and the Razerua, they were telling us that in order for it to be considered of a Zara, right? You, the, the, the object has to be, you have to be serving the object. You can't be serving something else. I'm serving some, uh, the, this, you know, this, the, the, the sun in, in heaven by bowing to this object, because this object is a symbol. No, no. I, if, if it's Avodah Zara, it has to be I'm bowing to this object because this object is the thing that I'm bowing towards. Now, I've mentioned this many times in Hilchas Avodah Zara that the Hilchas Avodah Zara always, like Chazal say, like a monkey imitating a person. What we, what we have, we have something that's called Avodah Hashem and there's something negative that's called Avodah Zara. Like I was talking about last week, uh, you know, on, on Friday morning, you're talking about you, the, the concept of Yushalayim and a city that has an Avadazara in it. Th- there's always this dynamic. To appreciate the Allah's Avadazara, it's always reflective of Kedusha. Kedusha is reflective of Toma. They mirror each other. This idea of. So, so we have something that's called Avadis Hashem. There's Avadazara and there's Avadis Hashem. What do we do? That's in terms of our daily schedule, that's really defined as Avodah Hashem. So Avodah Hashem is like a term that we use, it's like an umbrella term for everything we do. But more technically, Avodah Hashem is really davening. Right? It says in Pasuk, Vavadatam, it's Hashem Lekechem, you have to serve Hashem. What does it mean, Avodah Hashem, Chazal say? Avodah Hashem, that's called davening. So davening is Avodah Hashem. What we find is interesting. We have, have Machlekes between Reb Chaim Salvechik and the Chazanish when it comes to davening. Do you have to really be conscious of the fact that the Rabbani Shalom is in front of you and when you're bowing in Shemun Esri that you're literally bowing to Hashem and when you're speaking words of davening that you're speaking words to Hashem Yisbarach do you have to have that, that, that mentality, that consciousness in order for it to bechlal, be called avayda, for it to be called davening or not? So take a look at Marambak and the Rafai. This is a famous Rebchayim on the Rambam right in the beginning of Hilchas Tefillah. He says like this, he quotes from the Rambam that there is an idea that besides kavana by davening, when we talk about kavana, kavana doesn't just mean to translate the words. The more broad, on a broader sense, kavana means to 
to have in mind that you're standing before Hashem and you're speaking to Hashem and you're praying to Him. So it says Reb Chaim like this, Venira, the kavana zu, this kavana of just being conscious of the fact that you are standing before Hashem, ain't within kavana. That's not like, that's not a side point. That's not just a, a side point that's good to have kavana. Rakshumi etzem maiset that's what defines what you're doing as davening. The definition of davening, the definition of avaydas Hashem is what? Is that what I am, that I am, that I am serving something in front of me. It has to be direct. That I am serving, the, I, am, I am serving Hashem. What does it mean to serve Hashem? It means to speak to Hashem. But speaking about Hashem, that's not davening. Davening is speaking to Hashem, not speaking about Hashem. Maybe learning could be similar to that, you're learning about Hashem, but it's davening, which is defined as avoida, avoida is Hashem, avoida means second person, means direct, means I have to be conscious of the fact that Rabbanu Shalom is in front of me. And if a person's heart is not, uh, you know, is, is, is all, you know, uh, uh, you know, f- filled with other thoughts, and a person doesn't see themselves as standing before Hashem and talking directly to Hashem, that's not called, that, that's not, you're not missing a, you know, kavana, that, that's not called davening. It's like you're doing something else altogether. It's, it's, it's not a vayda. It's, uh, it's not the action of davening. Therefore says Rechaim, a huge, huge chumra, that therefore this is ma'akev, it calls in the Rambam, that this is ma'akev, that the entire davening, that the entire Shemana Esrei, you, you have to have this consciousness of I am speaking to Hashem in front of Hashem in order for it to be called davening. But if at any point during one bracha, one bracha shminestre, I'm not thinking over the fact that I'm speaking to Hashem, then it's as if I skipped that bracha. It's Pashan Adav. So let's understand. This idea, this idea of the, of Rukhayim, that davening avoidus Hashem means that I have to be speaking directly to, I'm speaking to the Rabbani Shloylam, what is the mirror image of that in Avodah So the mirror image of that in Avodah is that if Avodah Hashem means I am bowing directly to the Rabbanu Shleilam, not bowing to the wall as a symbol of my servitude to Hashem. No, no, no. When I'm bowing by Maidim, when I'm bowing by Baruch Atah Hashem, I am bowing to the Rabbanu Shleilam. That's what Avodah Hashem means. So what is it? So, so counter that. So in Avodah what does Avodah mean? Avodah means bowing down to this thing, not to a symbol of my religion, to the thing itself. That will be the shita of Rabbi Yitzhak Oppenheim. That, is, that if this cross that the guy's wearing on his necklace is just a symbol of the religion, and when he's bowing and kissing it, he's not bowing and kissing to the deity. He's bowing and kissing Stam, a piece of metal, as a symbol of his, of his commitment to the deity. Where's the deity? Somewhere else. That's not called Avadizar. Just like in Davin, that's not called Avadizatvila. That's not called Avadiz Hashem. If you're bowing to a wall and you're doing it as a sign to serve Hashem who's somewhere else. Avadiz Hashem means second person. Avadizar therefore also means second person. That's Rukhaim. So in the, 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 the Rukhaim is a huge chumrah in terms of Avadiz Hashem. That, avoid, that davening requires a mamish, a consciousness of this is who I'm talking to every single moment of Shmanas, right? And and, and when you and when you mirror that to Avadizara, it turns into a kula, right? That in order for it to be Avadizara, you also have to be thinking that this is the deity itself.
But there is a Chazanish. The Chazanish disagrees with Rav Chaim. If you take a look at Maramukah number 6, the Gilyoyne Chazanish, the Chazanish, his notes on Rav Chaim Salvechik over there, he writes the following thing. He says, Mamish is not true. He says, Any time that you stand to Davin, we can never say that you're just saying words that you're not davening. Uh, let me tell you outside what the, what the Chazanish says. The Chazanish says like this. You're right. Consciously, consciously, when the person is davening Shpanesrei, it could be that he's not conscious of the fact that the Rabbanu Shalom is in front of him. Moscow. We're not, you know, that, that's definitely true. But says the Chazanish, but deep down, deep down, when you peel away enough layers, every Yid knows when they're davening, they're speaking to Rabbanu Shalom. And says the Chazanish, that's good enough. That's good enough. So even though on the outside, superficially, when they're bowing, they're bowing to the wall, and, we're, and they're not thinking God's in front of them, where's God? Somewhere else. But deep down in the neshama, the neshama knows that they're bowing to God. And says the Chazanish, that's good enough for Avadis Hashem. Because Avadis Hashem, Avadis Hashem, uh, deep down, that's the, the Pnimi Salev, the inner workings of the heart, that's good enough to define the thing as davening. It says like this, Every person that's standing to daven, you can't say the person's not doing, not davening. Why? At least there's a vague, there's a residue, there's something deep down of some awareness that, that you're davening to Hashem. It's just the heart is not awake enough. It's not awake. It's not, you know, it's like a, it's like a coal. It's like coals when you have a barbecue, you know? And like on the outside, it looks already like the fire went out. But when you dig deep enough, there's some sparks there. And if you work hard enough, you could reignite the fire. The sparks are there. So on the outside, it's dead. Deep down inside, it's still on fire. And says the Chazanish, having that little spark all the way on the inside of that deep, deep awareness that the Rabbanish is in front of you, even on the outside, you're not thinking about it at all, that's enough for davening. It's not the best davening in the world, obviously. We wanted the whole thing to be on fire. But Lamaisa, that's good enough. Which means, let, let, let's explain. It means the Chazanish is telling us that although I agree, says the Chazanish Terb Chaim, that the definition of davening is that you have to be conscious of the Rabbanish in front of you, but I don't need you to be actually conscious of it. As long as it's in your subconscious, that's good enough. And by a Yid, it's always in the subconscious. It's always in the subconscious. It's maybe not in the consciousness, but it's in the subconscious. Now, Avodah as I described from Chazal, is It's like a monkey imitating a person. The, the monkey is not going to be able to imitate the inner dimensions of the person. What the monkey will be able to do is to simply imitate the outside, just to imitate the outside. Therefore, the Chazanish is revealing to us that what? That if you on the outside, what are you doing on the outside by davening? You're bowing to the wall. Says the Chazanish, good enough. Why? Because on the inside, the inside, you're bowing to Hashem. When Avodah Zarah now mirrors Avodah Hashem, Avodah Zarah can't mirror the, the inner workings of the heart. What Avodah Zarah does is mirror the outside. And on the outside, you're bowing to the wall, and that's called davening. So bowing to this object as a symbol of the deity, which somewhere else, that's called Avodah Zarah. You follow this? So in other words... The, the, what Avodah Zarah is going to mimic, what Avodah is going to mimic is what davening is to your, on a conscious level. Because what Avodah Zarah, Avodah Zarah is unable to mimic 
the subconscious of the Yid. The subconscious is primius chitzah. by its very definition, idolatry by its very definition is superficial. So the only thing that Avedizar is going to copy as a monkey is going to be the superficial, the outside, the consciousness of a person that's actually davening. And so whatever, whatever you have to be conscious of during davening, that's going to be what Avedizara is defined by. So in Reb Chaim, that what? That davening is defined, that you have to consciously be aware that you're bowing to God. So then Avedizara is therefore going to be defined as also consciously aware that what you're bowing down to is the deity. And if what you're bowing down to is just a symbol, that's not Avedizara. But according to the Chazanish, that the, the consciousness of davening, subconscious is something else, but the consciousness of davening is that even if you're not thinking about the Rabbani Shalom, you're just saying the words and bowing to the wall. That's also called davening. And where is the Rabbani Shalom? Somewhere in heaven, not in front of you consciously. So an Avadizara, Avadizara is going to mimic that and say, even if you're just bowing to this cross, even though the, the deity is far from your mind, it's not in front of you, that's also called Avadizara. Which means... You follow this so far? Which means that the shach, that, that, again, we start off with this therma, right? The therma said, uh, a thing that's hanging on the necklace, uh, and it's just a symbol, it's not of a desire, okay? And the shach says, no, one second, the shach says, not so posh. If at any point he bowed and kissed it and did something, that already makes it of a desire. It means that the shach is, is revealing to us this yisoyed of the chazanesh, right? That what? That in the void is Hashem, that davening is your yaiti davening, you're able to daven, even if you're not thinking about the Rabbanu Shalom. Even if the Rabbanu Shalom is not in front of your face, that's called davening, which means in parallel universe of Avodah Zarah, even if the deity is not in front of your face, that's also called Avodah Zarah. Therefore, the, the, in, other words, and, in other words, what we're seeing from over here is that this, this shach is mamish saving our lives. Mamish saving our lives. Because if we didn't have the shach, and all you had is the Ramah, which is, that what? That, that davening is only if you're conscious of the Rabbanishal in front of your face. And therefore, Vaidizara is only if you're bowing down to the deity itself, then how many times in our entire lives can we say we've ever davened? If you go like Reb Chaim Brisker, that's, 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 that, 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 that creates an unbelievable amount of prosecution against the Jewish people. Because how many times could a, could a Jew daven that? The Chazanish and the Shach is coming from the Chazanish is Mamash saving the lives. This is why this is the Chiddush of the Chazanish. Chazan means to see. It means the Chazanish is being Madal of this truth that you have to look all the way down. On the outside, what do you see? A guy bowing to a wall. That's on the outside. And that, how is that Davin? says the Chazanish, you have to see, you have to go all the way in, all the way in. And by going all the way in, and you realize that there's a, there's a primis, there's a subconscious there, then that subconscious creates the whole experience as davening, and now, now he's davening. Now he's davening. Now this creates, therefore, therefore once, once, once the monkey sees that, oh, a guy that's just bowing to a wall without being conscious of the deity of the Rabbanu Shalom, mamish in front of their face, that's called avayda, so I'm going to copy that and also say just bowing to a symbol of, uh, of a deity is also called avayda zar too. But it's all based on this side, which is, that you are yaitzi davening by just saying the words without actually being conscious of the Rabbanu Shalom. This is a gilei from the Chazanish who sees the penis of the heart. And this is a halacha psukah by the shach. The shach, why is it called shach, by the way? It's called shach because it's an acronym of sisei kayan. 
He was a kain. The shach was a kain. A kain, it says in Pasuk, the whole, the, what's the whole job of a kain? Aaron a kain is what? Is to be down like the Ivis of from a carbon The way of the kain is to take a guy that comes to the base of the because he didn't have error, he's doing something wrong. And the way of the kain is to be a carved, to uplift, to, be, to, to bring him close to Ivis Hashem. Not to push away, not to say it's impossible, to actually bring him close. This is what the shach is doing. The shach is bringing chesed to the world by paskening like this. You follow this? Because again, by the shach paskening, by the shach paskening, that, that, even, that, that, that even kissing and bowing a, a piece of metal that, that, is, that in your mind is far from the deity itself, that's called avayda. So that means in davening, if you're kissing the Sefer Torah and bowing to the wall and just saying the words of davening, even though the Rabbanishalm is far from your mind, that's also called avayda. This is what's going on over here. So the shach, based on the chazanish, they're mamish, being mamtik dinim, saving yidin, and showing how be makariv all of Klai Yisrael to the world of tefillah. This is what again realize this. This is what Aaron did. Aaron Akayin is the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash is a house of tefillah, right? So Beis Hamikdash represents tefillah. So now we are talking about Aaron Akayin's job is bringing Klai Yisrael into Avodas Hashem. Is he's bringing Klai Yisrael into the world of davening? That you're not far from it. That even though you can't bring a carbon, I'll help you bring it for you, and I'll show that you have a shaykhis to base on English. You have a shaykhis to avayda. That's what the the coin. That's what the, that's what the shach is doing with us over here. Like based on the chazinish that sees the pnimius of the heart. So, this is, so again, this I, this psak of the shach, based on the, the concept of the chazinish and hilchas tefillah, is not just a, a small little detail. This is mamish saving klal yisrael. It saves klal yisrael because by having this halach of the shach. And having this psak of the chazanish, it's, it's creating this reality that every single yid is now part of the world of davening. Because if you just had Rechaim Brisker and you just had that, you know, and you just had Rav Yislech Oppenheim, so in Hilchas of the Tsar it's a kula. But, but when we think about it, that by saying that it's only called Avaida if you're conscious of the fact that what's in front of you is a deity, then that means in davening, it's not called davening unless you're conscious of the fact that what's in front of you is Rabbanishlo. And that's a huge chomer because other, if we go like that, then how many times have we, have, have we actually done? So Mamash the Shach is a. Is a. Is a. That's all Snafashis. That's all Snafashis Mamash. And it's all again because it's the Chesed, the Kain, and the eyes of the Chazanish. So Hashem should help us. We should be Zaychet to uh, be brought under the world of uh, Tfilah and be brought into the Beis Amigdash with uh, Tzadik Yamas. Okay, Yashikaych.